0: This is Kirsten Barrington-Hughes of the Carolina Film Community at the wonderful Ground Crew Studios in Charlotte, North Carolina. Today I'm speaking with writer, director, and actor, but more importantly for today, stunt coordinator and fight choreographer, J.C. Kingsley. Thank you, J.C., for joining us today.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm very interested in this topic, and I think other people will be too, because it's something that you don't get to hear about a lot. It's kind of this mysterious part of filmmaking, um, and, and oftentimes, you know, it just is happening in the background, and we're like, wow, that was great, but we don't even think about what all goes into that, Sure, you know? sure. It's just like the magic of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. It's just this piece that happens. So I wanted to talk to you today about a lot of aspects of what you do and kind of how you got there and so on. Does that sound great? Absolutely. Okay, great. So first of all, I just got to ask, because I've got two young boys. One of them's an absolute daredevil. Were you that kid that was just like at eight months old, climbing to the top of the thing on the playground and falling off? Were you like the guy that wanted to go and ride on the top of the car while someone else was driving? And were you always a daredevil type? Is that what happens with personalities that get into stunt work?
1: Probably. I've done, uh, I got involved in martial arts at four years old. So I've been doing that pretty much all. I don't remember not doing it. Um, so as far as the fight choreography and whatnot, I mean, martial arts was a big part of that, of course. But uh, I don't think that when it comes to doing stunt work and things of that sort that uh, you can do that without being a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. Uh, so, yeah, my my parents uh, grounded me a good bit. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> like telling you to stop going to the emergency room?
1: Uh, sort of, yeah, stuff like that, of course. Uh, I grew up in the deep south and in the country, so most of my days were spent outside doing stuff that I probably shouldn't have been doing.
0: <laughs> That's great. So um, what what was kind of the epiphany for you that thought, you know, I should use this personality of mine and kind of the skills I have for martial arts and make a career out of this?
1: Uh, I got into doing acting here locally uh, about a year ago. Um, so I've not been doing it here in the Charlotte area very long at all. Uh, in high school and, and college, I tinkered around with uh, theater and, and drama classes and, and uh, things that got me to speak in front of people. Um so that was, I guess, the. I already taught martial arts, so I was used to speaking to groups about martial arts stuff, uh, and the acting thing kind of sprang out of that, out of students and whatnot telling me to do it. Uh, I had never really considered doing that. I just had a good enough time teaching martial arts normally. Uh, but I, after enough people telling me that I should get into that line of work, I started con- seriously considering it and started taking some classes on acting and things like that to get me started in the business and teach me kind of how things worked um, after I did got a few paying gigs doing that stuff, uh the stunt choreography and all that that uh that type of work kind of came afterwards so after I got a few uh credits to my name, a few things to show on a demo reel for example. Uh, then I was able to find more work as a stunt choreographer. So, uh, and that was kind of what got me into it here recently.
0: That's great. Now, how do the three tenets of eye focus, mind focus, and body focus translate into someone's uh, craft with acting? Does that help you?
1: Uh, absolutely. And now, you know, for my martial arts classes, I always teach people that kind of trifecta of, you know, physical, mental, and spiritual uh, progression that, that you always should be trying to pursue something that advances you on all three of those fronts at the same time. If you let any one of those things kind of fall by the wayside, you're not going to be entirely happy with the situation that you're left with. So, um, you know, for me, it's the martial arts teaches you uh, how to focus on things. So when it comes to acting, there's so many different job Titles. I mean, just watch the credits roll through on any movie, and watch how many jobs there were. Uh, half of those things, you don't even know what the name of that job means. You know, uh, so that being said, the different jobs and, and avenues that are out there for people to pursue, I kind of just picked the ones that I saw look like things I understood, like if it said stunt coordinator on the, oh, well I could do that or if it said somebody that was a fight coordinator then I could do that or somebody that just simply trained the actors before they went in and they didn't do any choreography but they just trained them in a certain way of moving, I could do that. you know. So all of those things uh, kind of led to me getting focused on Picking the jobs that I wanted, and so then it was a matter of going to websites that we have here locally, like Southern Casting Call, or uh, any of those websites that have jobs available, and kind of just scrolling through and picking the ones that I wanted, and getting out there and applying for them. I mean, you know, ninety percent of this work is apply, apply, apply. So
0: exactly. Okay, great. Um, and. Um, Let's talk about the casting process. So you talked about kind of just going out for what sounded, you know, right. Um, are most of these jobs uh, published through, you know, casting calls through agents? How important is it for someone wanting to get into stunt work to get an agent?
1: Um, I think for the the stunt work and, and whatnot, getting involved with a group that does stunt stuff, if you're just... Uh, I've seen a lot of people that just learn how to do falls and things like that. I think it's very important to not get caught up trying to be somebody that gets into the industry as a martial artist-type person because you have uh, you have way more work just taking a punch and knowing how to fall on the ground than you do knowing how to be a Bruce Lee or a, a Donnie Yen or an Ip Man-type movie situation where you've got to do all these complex martial arts maneuvers. Those jobs are fewer and far farther between. you know uh, you can just look at who's doing casting calls on, again, you know Southern casting call and see what movies are available for you to go work on. There aren't really any jobs out there where they'll come out and they'll say, "I'm looking for a fight coordinator or a stunt coordinator, or a fight choreographer." Um, you'll just see that the movie is about action. Uh, And so you might contact that person and say, hey, do you already have somebody lined up as a stunt coordinator or a fight choreographer? Would that be something you would be interested in? Uh, You know, having somebody help the actors out with how to do those scenes. And most of the work that I've gotten has been through doing just that. They didn't necessarily ask for it. It's not even, you know, listed as a job that they're hiring for. But if you can see that the movie is action and they don't have anything listed, then most of the time that means that the director's kind of winging it He's just telling the act, okay. I want you to punch him, and then you're going to fall on the ground. But nobody's training them on how to do that, right. you know. And so that's the and once they are offered that type of thing and realize that it's available, most of the time it's just a matter of that they didn't know anybody local would do it, you know. So once you let them know that there's somebody out there that will do that for them, yeah, the, the they'll contact you back if they're interested in having that. And that's been where most of my success has been.
0: That's great, and I guess too, one of your uh, kind of. Uh, value propositions that you can offer them is look i can i can have these guys do this in a safe way right so that um you know safety is paramount on the on the film set Mm -hmm. and and nobody's really going to get hurt trying to do this stuff that you're wanting them to do in the scene
1: right exactly
0: that's great so we know that a lot of work uh in trying to get on films is is really reliant on your own personal proactivity and it Mm -hmm. sounds like this is even more so because you're kind of cold calling um so that's interesting and um on the safety thing um what is the kind of um the credo in the industry around stunt work and safety and uh, what are your thoughts on on keeping it safe?
1: I, you know it's it is kind of a buyers beware market. It is not like there is an industry uh standard out there. There are things like the Stuntman's Association and SAG-AFTRA even has a stunt um a stunt group that you can sign on to within SAG after to let them know you're a stunt performer. Uh, And they all have, you know, their own bylines for how they want things to be run. And I think that, you know, in the industry, that's why you still see stunt accidents. Uh, We had, you know, a recent one that was pretty close to home here in the southeast uh, with the the girl that was just hitting the clicker and got hit with the, yeah, Savannah, Mm -hmm. uh, that got hit by the train. So those types of things are, and she's not even doing stunt work. You know, she was just.
0: Sarah Jones was a production assistant? I think
1: so, yeah. Uh, You know, all I know is she was operating. The take thing, and nobody told her it was coming. I guess so. Uh, things like that, and then you've got older stories like the issues with Brandon Lee getting shot on set with a real—you know—it was a squib, but it was not loaded properly, and so Brandon, we lost Brandon Lee in *The Crow*. Um, things like that, I think, are, are what keep the industry a buyer's beware market for the for the actors. Um, you know, if you get onto a set and you notice that the director is doing, as I was saying, you know, he's just telling you to hit this guy and you're supposed to take a dive and or fall off the back of a truck or whatever, you know, but there's nobody there telling you how you should do that. Sometimes it's it really is on you as the actor to say, do you have a stunt double for that? Because I'm not prepared to fall off the back of a truck. I've not been shown how to do that. and I have no idea what, I, you know, I could break my neck doing that. I'm not doing it. So um, and once that happens, you know, on, on set, then the director has to consider, you know, oh, well, you know, that's true. The person might hurt themselves and then I'm going to have to pay that bill. And so, yeah, I don't want to have to do that either, much less get somebody hurt. So and
0: bad PR for the film.
1: Exactly. You know, it just goes downhill. So, um, you know, for me personally, it's it's a matter of establishing relationships with people and and getting some time with them to where you can see what they know how to do, what they're comfortable doing, what they're not comfortable doing. And if they're uh, not comfortable doing something like taking a fall, then you work with them on how to how to make that safe, how to make it comfortable for them. You know, the, the wonder of movie magic is amazing at keeping people safe if they just think about how to do it. So if people have seen The Hangover when uh, there was the scene where Mike Tyson hits Zach Galifianakis and knocks him out, uh, well, the camera guy just filmed Zach Galifianakis reacting to the punch, spinning away from the punch. Then the next scene is them showing a close-up of Zach Galifianakis's face hitting the floor. Well, that's an edit, then, you know. So he just spun. Then they cut. The guy got the camera guy got down on the floor so he could film right there in Zach's face as he hit the mat, and then Zach plows into the floor. Now Zach is only. He's on his knees at that point, so he just takes a front fall from his knees instead of from a standing position. You know, it's not a real fall at right. all. You're only falling from a foot off the ground, so it's right. a, you have to really try to hurt yourself uh, at that point. So being able to teach people, you know, look, hey, uh, this is a lot about the camera editing and how you're going to edit this together to where it looks like, no, like, dude, he ate that punch and hit the dirt uh that that's all editing where that happens, so you don't you know a lot of things that stunt performers, you see something on the screen you're like, Wow, that looked like that hurt it It probably was set up to where it didn't hurt at all at the professional level yeah. uh you know you, you have a lot of indie productions that are not going to be you know in in the know about how they should film a fight scene like that to where people can stay safe and where you don't really have to show contact and you don't really have to show people falling from uh you know a big height or anything like that. Uh, or you throw them into a wall, you know, and, and things of that nature that you're not really th- chucking them into a wall from six feet away. You're chucking them, then they're cutting, and then you're showing the person hit the wall from about a foot away.
0: <laughs> right. And the wall might be padded, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> right? And, and uh,
1: underneath their shirt, they, uh, nowadays, it's very common for stunt performers to go and buy the motorcycle jackets that have this, the spine protector for when you slide on the ground to protect your back from getting all scuffed up. And so that's hard plastic that's underneath the shirt. And so when you throw somebody against the wall, that hard plastic armor that's underneath the person's shirt takes a lot of it. Uh, Banshee was a production that used the motorcycle guards a whole lot. Okay. Uh, you know, so they they had all that and they were ch- chucking each other into walls all the time. And you can't hardly feel it when you've got one of those on. So,
0: so let me ask you a little bit about once you've got the job and you've read the, the the sides and you've kind of got an idea of what the scene requires through director input and so on. Um, How much of it is you kind of actually teaching the director how to to do this scene based on what they've laid out? But they've you know, because of your input about about how to make it possible, you're actually kind of in an interchange where you're teaching them as well.
1: And it's it's when it comes to an action movie, you've got you know, the whole thing is not going to be just action, 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 action. You know, it, there's drama and storyline that they're telling. So. Um, you know the, the stunt coordinator and the fight choreographer's job is to step in on those action scenes and kind of work with the director of photography on how a scene is getting framed. You know, how it's getting blocked out, how it's getting framed, how the fighters are going to be moving within the, the frame of that camera. And so uh, the director at that point kind of does have to take his hands off the thing unless it just absolutely looks like something he does not want. Uh, you know, he kind of takes a step back and lets the Stunt core, you know coordinator to take control at that okay. point. Uh, and that's that's preferable. Most situations, uh banshee was that way when I was on set with those guys. Once it was time for them to be working out a fight scene the director disappeared. You know, it was just the director of photography that was on set, and the two choreographer guys that were working with the fellas doing the fight, and the director was nowhere to be seen. you know, okay. so th- they kind of just leave the set and trust you to you know set this set this fight up. You know, I've already given you all the drama that you need to make this fight, you know, feel cool to the audience. So now it's up to you to make the fight look cool. So go, that's what I'm paying you for. Go do it. You know, and so that's uh, at a higher level. That's that's kind of what you end up with at the indie level. Not so much. The director does like to get very involved and, and whatnot. And it's a lot of times it's because they're wearing so many hats already. So if you're working with indie productions, the the director might be the director of photography at the same time so you're having to work with that guy and he's got constantly got input you know coming in and all of those things are just you know punches you have have to roll with so to speak you figure out what (laughs) they want yeah you figure out what they want and uh you suggest to them your idea for how you're going to give it to them and and you kind of go from there
0: Okay. Now I see that you teach uh, stunt and fight choreography classes. Um, and some of the uh, terminology on the, the class agendas were very intriguing to me. So I wanted to ask you without having to, uh, have you give away a lot of your coursework, what are some of these things? Like, uh, what is shoulder, to, what is the shoulder to shoulder rule?
1: Okay. Uh, some of those things that are camera edits or camera magic that we go over, um, The shoulder to shoulder rule is an easy way for a camera guy to line up with two fighters. You just line up the two shoulders uh, on the same side of the two people that you're trying to film. When the person that their back is, when the person's back that is to you throws a punch, it is, because of perspective, going to look like you hit the guy. Even if you're standing about four feet away from him, it's still going to look like you connected with him. Uh, And so that's an easy way. uh, If you establish a line from the camera over the person in front of you's shoulder to the other fighter's shoulder, then you've got a straight line right there that you can play about 30 degrees left or 30 degrees right of. And it's going to look good for film. It's going to look like the punch is connecting to the guy's face, even though you're a foot away from him.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And so things like that kind of teach the... Uh, it become That kind of thing becomes more important when you deal with weapons. If you've got a knife fight going on, you don't want your performers uh, getting anywhere close to this blade that's flashing across in front of them. Uh, but you have to make it look like this guy just slashed this person's throat. So in order to keep your actors safe, you have to do that through perspective and keep the knife away from the actor by having the camera guy stand behind him so he's in line with it. And the perspective kind of makes it look like the knife is going straight through the person's throat, but once again, they're actually four feet away from the person. And it's all perspective that's making it look like the person got hit by the knife.
0: And what does the term stacking punches mean?
1: Uh, Stacking punches is where we differ from basic martial arts. So martial arts, you try to hit the guy in the face... Stunt work—you try to hit right in front of the face. You're never trying to actually hit somebody in the face. So a, a stack is—you uh, might tell somebody stack this a foot in front, or stack this two feet in front, or stack that. You know, and so that lets the actors know about how far I need to be in front of the person's face for the camera to pick up what it's looking for. So stacking is all about uh, not con- not contacting the person that you're throwing the punch at, but lining it up right if their face is you know, uh, in a stationary object, then you've got right over here is where the camera is going to make it look like you hit the person in the face. If, okay. the, if the fist is right in front of the face about a foot, the camera can't tell that. As long as the person reacts to the hit, it looks like you clocked him, you know, and so that's that's what you're looking for. When you're stacking punches, you're figuring out that proper distance? Do I need to be six inches in front of his face, a foot in front of his face, two feet in front of his face? What's going to make it look right to the camera?
0: Okay, interesting. Now, I notice, um, too, you cover, uh, you know, stunt and fight work with uh, special effects makeup in in today's world with lots of uh, films around zombies and things like that. Is that an added complexity that you guys have over time had to deal with because you can't mess up the makeup work, but you still have to make it look real? Or what's the What's the intricacy around that?
1: Uh, my wife, got in, uh, Carolyn Kingsley, got into doing makeup effects and, and costume work and whatnot when I started doing film work. She kind of jumped in, too, uh, just in a different way. And so uh, with the fight work... It kind of went hand in hand that as we worked with uh, different groups that were constructing fight scenes that you need bruising and you need black eyes and bloody noses and things of that sort, Uh, real practical, you know, uh, makeup effects. Not necessarily all the time zombie, you know, because that limits you to just doing horror stuff. Right, so. but the
0: actual effect of the fight scene is right, being done. Right. Okay. And,
1: and, and that's a, t- you know, from my wife's side of things, that's a tip for, you know, people looking to get into makeup also is that, you know, learn how to do a bullet hole, learn how to do a knife wound, learn how to do a bruise on the cheek before you get into, you know, really crazy zombie and, you know, stuff you see on Face Off, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. That's really complex and it also limits you on on what jobs you're open for because you could get a job on CSI doing uh, you know, any number of wounds that are on some body that they've got laying on the ground, and that's all practical effects that gets used in almost anything, you know. So if you, you can figure that out, uh, then you can open yourself up really wide to the job market and say, well, I can do bullet holes, knife wounds, bruise on your face, you know, anything. And yes, I can do zombie makeup if you want that, you okay. know, but, you know, primarily I'm just all about doing practical makeup. If that's what you need, give us a call. So, you um, On the fight side of things, it's important to find the makeups that, yeah, that don't smear, that every take we're not having to call the makeup person back in to redo all the makeup again. Uh, And so a lot of the stuff that's out there on the market now is meant for, like, I'm just going to put it on and wear it for Halloween night. Uh, You know, things that you might buy at Morris Costumes and the prosthetics that you get there are... Uh, possibly not going to work real well for film. They're better for photography, but not really for you know film because if you're moving, uh, the stuff peels away from your your face if it's a prosthetic or your makeup gets smeared if it's cream makeup. If it's
0: sweaty. Or, exactly. Yeah. So uh,
1: that stuff, you know, typical makeup tricks that go on on film to keep your makeup from running or sweating, you know, under under hot lights and things like that. That also applies to prosthetics staying on you. So if you've got a Say you've got a a knife wound across your chest and you've got, you've got a five-minute-long fight scene that you're going to have to do and that knife wound has to stay in place for the whole thing. There's certain things that you have to address with that in order to keep it from falling off your chest. So they chest. kind
0: of go hand in hand. So as a stunt artist, you need to be able to uh, understand how to deal with makeup. And then um, you also need to know that the makeup is coming as effective the work that you're doing and so on. Okay. Yeah,
1: the stunt coordinator and the fight choreographer, they have to be aware of where the makeup is on the actor and then base the fight scene around that in such a way that if the guy's got, let's say he's got a cut on his arm, well, I don't want to have the guy that he's fighting grabbing his arm in the fight scene because it's just going to tear that prosthetic off. So I have to have him grab up on the elbow or up on his shoulder instead of grabbing him down here at his wrist you know, to to keep that prosthetic in place. So it does change how the fight scene plays out based on where that makeup is. I just don't want to have to have the makeup person come in every five minutes and redo this. So you make the fight scene to where you're not touching the makeup. Right. You're leaving those spots alone and letting the makeup stay in place. And production
0: so, costs will go up and time and everything. You got it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it just adds everything.
0: So it sounds like we've kind of covered falls and combat and martial arts a bit. Tell me about how much of your work involves the precision driving, wire work, fire burns, and and other kind of interesting things and stunt work?
1: Um, Wire work I haven't gotten a chance to mess with yet. I would love to, uh, but there's nobody around here that's got the wire work rigs to to play with that I know of. I've often thought about going down to the climbing center that Charlotte has here local and seeing if they might not be interested in seeing about rigging something up to let people practice that, but uh, as of yet, I've seen nothing for that. Um, The you know, all of the nitty-gritty about different, uh, those specifics about the the fight choreography industry, uh, that is very specific to a certain movie. You know, if you've got a wire work movie, that's a very specific type of movie where people are flying around on wires, like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, or things of that sort right. would be the more modern interpretation. Of course, there's tons of old Hong Kong cinema uh, that have people flying all over the place on wires, but... Uh, those things are very specific, and so getting into it, like I said, since I've just started uh, from a year ago, I've, I've really focused on, um, you know, making it very practical that people need to know how to take falls. They need to know how to sell a good punch. They need to know how to get thrown up against a wall, um, run across the hood of a car, you know, uh, things like that that would appear in a wide variety of films as opposed to only the films that are going to offer wire work and have people flying around. Uh, so I try to stay open right now, just since I'm I'm new, uh, and I haven't chosen a focus, you know, as to what I really want to you know focus on in this area. It's er- just a matter arena. of building
0: your special skills, right?
1: Yeah, it's really a matter of how many what jobs I accept, you know. As as they go along, I'll be as you get work, and this is really beyond just stunt work, but like any actor in the field, you get known for what you work on. So even if that's not where your heart is, if you happen to get those jobs, it kind of get that's where you end up. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have to be selective in what jobs you you accept because you don't want to get stereotyped as only working on martial arts films. For example, then I I have trouble getting a job on CSI you know, as as somebody to help him out with. Well, I just need a I just need a convict to punch a cop in the face. That's mm-hmm. all I need. Right. You know, and so I, I don't need it to be martial arty. I just need the guy to haul off and whack this guy. So things like that are more. There's more jobs out there for that, you know. Uh, and so I try to keep that in mind, you know, when I'm when I'm looking at stuff like wire work. It's tempting, and I really want to do it. That's the kid in me, you know, the mm-hmm. Mississippi kid in me, <laughs> wanting to get out there and do stuff that I shouldn't do again. But uh, you know, those kind of things. When you get up into that higher echelon of dealing with martial arts, fight scenes, and wire work and things like that, those people really need to be trained on just that. And so when you're looking for a wire work team. That's really what you, you go, go out and hire. Yeah, you go to
0: the specialty people.
1: Yeah, you go to a team for that. Like so now, Jackie Chan, who, right. who has his own stunt team. Anytime Jackie's going to be in a movie, he comes in with his 18 guys on his stunt team, and that's who's in the movie. You don't The casting director doesn't have to worry about it. Jackie's like, I got that covered. Don't worry about it. All these guys know how to fly around on wires and do whatever you want them to
0: now we talked about jumping over cars and things like that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't jump over a car today if you asked me to. What kind of um, physical fitness regimen do you need to have to work in this industry, in the stunt artistry?
1: I would just say, you know, this is one of the things that I try to tell people in uh, self-defense classes that I teach and whatnot, is that they overlook the basic necessities. Sit down on the ground and get back up as fast as you can. Do it over and over until you're tired it'll take about 30 reps or so you know for somebody that's good and fit uh, less than that for somebody that's not so that is working all the muscles necessary if somebody shoves you down you get right back up again you know and and a lot of times in self-defense situations outside the stunt work in actual self-defense situations if somebody gets knocked down they just can't get back up they, you know, the person keeps shoving them back down. They keep they keep them on the ground, and it's because they haven't practiced getting back up.
0: And you might have to do fifty takes.
1: Right, exactly. You know, so a, a big thing for me uh, is whatever you're already doing that's that kind of keeps you active. If you've got any kind of physical habits that keep you active in any way, keep doing them and try to develop a schedule around it. That that is, you know, that becomes part of your routine. That it shouldn't be something that if I have the time this week I'll do it. It should be a 20-minute, you know, it's scheduled about 20 minutes in to do stuff like that. It's part
0: of honing your whole craft. Right. And, yeah. and 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 core strength would probably be key, yeah. right? Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, it, just practicing falls. We did, you know, a lot at the last seminar on the 19th, we did uh, a lot of break falls and people getting slammed into the walls and whatnot. And uh, I'm sure every single one of those people after the class felt like they were in a car wreck the day before because it's very you, – your muscles all get sore. It's like you spent all day at the gym working out every muscle you have. Uh, So a lot of times, you know, and all they did is fall. They just, you know, hitting the ground, falling, muscles get sore from doing that. And then the muscles repair themselves. So it's not any different than if you went to the gym and worked out and that muscle got sore and you got to give it about two days to recuperate before you can go hit the gym again. That's the same thing as hitting the ground and falling and you've got now a your muscle sore on your thigh from where it slammed into the ground, well, now that muscle has to repair itself. And as it does so, it gets stronger. So it's not much different than sitting there doing leg lifts. Just throw yourself on the ground, you'll get some of the same benefit. Right. Um, so, you know, to me, the physical regimen is, is if you have a physical activity that you already kind of enjoy doing, get more serious about it. It doesn't have to be martial arts. It doesn't have to be a boot camp. It doesn't have to be biking. But if you already bike a little bit, bike some more.
0: And then do these things like falling and standing and That's falling right. and yeah. standing. That's right,
1: yeah, 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 and keep it real basic. You know, things that we 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 stop doing as we get up to being an, a kid falls down all the time. Right. And has to get back up all the time. Now, they only have to get up from, like, a foot. You know, they stand up, uh, and they're a foot taller than they were than when they were on the ground, you know. Uh, so as, a, as adults, we got a lot more distance to have to stand back up again. So it is tougher for us. But it's still just one of those things that we just kind of fall out of a habit of doing as we get older.
0: Now, tell me about how much of uh, being a uh, a body double plays into being a stunt double. Uh, I've seen, you know, where someone's obviously got a wig on or whatever; they don't look like the person. But how much of that plays into it—the the the actual physical appearance, looking like the actor.
1: You know, the biggest uh, the. Biggest thing I've seen is height and body size. Okay. Uh, and most, kind of build? Yeah, most of the other thing they can work with. Mo- most of the other things they can work with, they can make your clothes look like the person. They can get the makeup artist to address five o'clock shadow to make you look like the other person or, or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, but that's that's really what they're trying to match up, body double-wise or stunt double-wise, is they need the person to be the same height because a different height is going to cause the camera to change angles you know they're going to mm-hmm. have to tilt up or down right. to, to make the heads look like they're at the same distance when you switch that double out they still have to be the same height that they were you know or you're going to have to change that to get that perspective back again and then the if you change that to get the perspective back on the actors then the wall has changed what the camera is looking at on the wall has changed behind them and so that becomes something that a viewer granted that they have to be a little bit of a you know somebody that notices those kind of details but a lot of viewers will notice that kind of thing. Right. And like, that's the stunt double. That's that's not him. That's the stunt double.
0: Yeah.
1: So, um, you know, like uh, Banshees, they have their main Lucas Cole, the main actor that's on. Or that's not that's the character's name. I can't remember the actor's name, but the stunt double for him in the face doesn't look anything like him. I mean, nothing like him. Just has the same stubble. You know, the beard stubble. But outside of that. His body size is the same. Their height is exactly the same. All of that stuff is the same. And that's, you know, so I can tell that the facial features and how much you actually look like the person in the face doesn't seem to matter. It's just body size um, and and height that really seems to matter the most to them.
0: Interesting. So if you're an actor that wants to um, improve your ability to take falls and and things like that, or if you're someone that actually wants to get into stunt artistry as your career – I really recommend um, to go to one of JC's uh, classes um, he had one recently on October 19th. What is uh, coming up for you in the classes or where can someone c- go to see where the next scheduled classes would be?
1: If your listeners remember, you had a, another guest on, Will Fisher, a while back. I think Julie Emmons interviewed him mm-hmm. uh, talking about the 48-hour film project. That's right. And so I got involved uh, working with Will on that. And so uh, coming in January, they'll start early registration for next year's event on that. Uh, And kind of in conjunction with doing that, in the year 2015, we're looking at every single month that goes by, we're going to have a seminar and a screening uh, of local films. So there will be seminars of all kinds, not just on stunt work, but we are trying to look at what the local colleges have uh, listed as their curriculum for film students. And we want to offer seminars on stuff that the colleges are not. Offering.
0: Exactly. Yep.
1: So that if there isn't a class on stunt work, then they're kind of just left hanging unless they get on a job that has stunt work and they can get some hands-on experience with it. There is no class, you know, to teach somebody that. Um, the closest one I think that we have, there's, one, there's a stunt crew that operates a school uh, out of, I th- I'm wanting to say Pennsylvania. It's Pittsburgh or Philadelphia, one of the two cities up there. Um, but those guys operate a stunt school, and that's the closest thing that we've really got. So, uh, do you
0: have like a Facebook page or something someone could go to, or should they go to the Forty Eight Hour Film Festival page? Or? My
1: regular martial arts page is World Ninja on Facebook. It's all one word. Um, they can also find me under J C Kingsley. Um, I, I try to post all of the stuff that has to do with the stunt work and acting under J C Kingsley, and all the stuff that has to do with my regular martial arts classes and training under World Ninja. Okay, great. That would be the place. Keeping in touch with
0: you would be a good way to get started. If you're in the Carolinas and you want to learn more about stunt artistry and fight choreography, sounds like a great place to start is with one of your classes, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, sure. Give us a call.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you for uh, talking with us today. It's been totally enlightening. I I, uh, love learning more about the magic of movies and kind of dissecting all the different pieces that go into it. And this is definitely one of the more interesting ones, I think. So. Thank you so much. Hopefully we'll speak with you again at some point.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks.
0: Thank you to Ground Crew Studios for having us today in their Charlotte, North Carolina location.
1: Music composed by Sean Beck.